0: Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly that's Adam Swim Silly S-C-I-L-L-Y all donations greatly appreciated thank you for helping me to support calm and now on with monkey tennis
1: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next
2: getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more And this is the beauty of podcasting—the freedom of the medium. Good compa. <coughs> Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Don't muck about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, study, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle. With a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yup, yeah, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must go and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey Tennis? From the Oast House. Keep
0: it down, love. Welcome back to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, Nick Older. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and Tom Stab? Beautiful. Beautiful. This is futile. Uh, so welcome to Monkey Tennis. Um, before we crack on with uh, our in-depth study of uh, From the Oast House, the Alan Partridge official podcast, uh, we thought we'd just like to mark this very special occasion. Uh, today is our 100th episode. Sweet Woo-hoo! Lord.
1: Hooray!
0: Did anybody there think you it go. would get Put this a little party hat on for that. Oh, everyone's got party hats. So well prepared.
1: Well, um, me, me and Tom have because we saw each other yesterday, so we had the chance to organise it. Oh, there you go. <laughs>
0: Nick and I are very much not in the party mood. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. thank you so much for listening and rating and subscribing and getting involved in our quizzes and coming to our live shows. I mean, when we started this, it genuinely, we thought we'd have a few hundred people listening and it was just a bit of fun uh, and it's gone mad. Um, and I think uh, we've had two million listens now or something insane like that. So mm. uh, yeah, just a, a huge thanks from all of us to all of you for listening. Um, and uh, yeah, here's many more episodes for as long as there's Partridge. Or I, think we're favorite all alive. Thing, <laughs> I think
1: my favourite thing. I think my favourite thing about that is uh, I remember in the early days when one of our first reviews said um, at least there will only be twelve episodes of this and then they can go away and now we're at a hundred <laughs> tough shit Oh, <laughs> uh, <and I'm, laughs> at this, at this oh point, no. at this point for our listeners, uh, Tom's attempted to deploy a confetti
0: cannon and it hasn't failed to go. Work.
4: That
1: uh, is I'm very so, annoying. I'm oh. so
4: glad that we've screen recorded this so people can see that for <laughs> themselves just yeah. how daft yeah. you look.
0: <laughs> I oh, it's falling apart now. I genuinely wouldn't recommend letting that off. I what? let off one of those in my house once, and I was still picking up the confetti about three years later.
1: Yeah, well, l- luckily for me, it doesn't work, so that, that saved there me any cleanup attempt.
0: A metaphor for the podcast itself: <laughs> a, the promise, the promise of a huge explosion, and uh, and ultimately nothing happened. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into uh, let's get into the episode then. So we're trawling our way through from the Oast House, and we're up to episode four, which is tantalizingly titled "Lynn's House." Just to say,
5: uh, not only is the episode that we're covering in From the O's House, but also this podcast itself is
0: all about F-U-N fun. The episode begins with an acapella intro. Uh, mm. Alan doing a little bit of singing. Uh, wondering to himself if perhaps that could be a single. Uh, no. No. <laughs> No, short <laughs> answer, no. Um, also, I, thought, I noticed that as part of this, he was imagining himself on a plantation, which I thought was deeply inappropriate. He's basically uh, co-opting the uh, the music of slavery for his own purposes, isn't he here?
1: Yeah, I, I made a note there that uh, obviously they recorded this in uh, 2019. Uh, if they'd been recording this in 2020, would they have included that gag? Well, I And mean, they no. still could
5: have edited it out.
4: And it's
1: not <laughs> the first true. time.
5: <laughs> true.
4: It, it's not the first time that we've seen uh, Alan talk about slaves and mm. the ownership of slaves. Remember, Good yeah. Morning Matters, where he talks about it being a tragedy that he probably would have been a slave uh, owner rather yeah. than uh, a slave himself. So he's got form in this area. <laughs> Indeed,
0: um, he does a thing where that he's, he's done quite often before, where he's tr- reaching for the correct word for something, uh, and you sort of think that minutes later that he's forgotten about it, but then he hasn't. He can't let it go, so he's like oh, like a like a Spaniard man, like like a like a Spanish man, a Spanishman and then minutes later when he's talking about <laughs> something completely different he just goes spaniard spaniard <laughs> um, you also hear a little bit about alan's aspirations for stand-up i thought this is one of those things where it's really steve coogan and the writers of partridge speaking through alan by him saying gotta do stand-up gotta do stand-up even if i just try it once because I, I expect in their line of work they come across a lot of budding comedians and comedy writers that all think they could do stand-up uh, but but crucially cannot
1: I thought as well, the the gag that precedes him saying he's got to do stand up, it's not even good. It's just a play on words about Blue Ribboned and Red Letter Day saying it's a purple patch. It's like, if that's the level of what he thinks is good enough for stand up, I think he would uh, be quite shocked if he did give it a go he's really going to struggle
0: um, I feel like what I'd like to see it made me think though I would like to see uh, Psychic Simon attempt stand up because I think he would he would yes. also be bad but I think that would be brilliant to watch It'd basically be like the digi but in front of a, a live audience keen
1: yeah sounds good <sighs>
0: So uh, Alan initially tries to make us guess what he's doing today. Uh, all he'll give away, really, is that it's of huge importance. Uh, somebody guesses Antiques Roadshow, uh, and he says no, but it's a good guess, as he adores stately homes, and he loves watching hoarders being told that their tat is worthless, which is <laughs> really good. <laughs> um, and then someone else suggested uh, browsing the dogs in Battersea Dogs Home, to which he said, browsing?
1: I think it seems reasonable. Mm.
0: Uh, someone else suggested that he might be going to the demolition of a cooling tower, to which he says, I wish um and uh,
1: uh yeah yeah also sitting in a fire, uh historic battle reenactments and uh standing in a butterfly house and letting the butterflies land all over you they're pretty Wh- good guesses
5: o- I, could, I could imagine alan doing all of these yeah well, yeah. well
1: which which ones from those lists would, would we rather do if you could choose one nick i think it's safe to assume you're going to battersea
4: i'd browse the dogs at battersea dogs home and want to take them all home
1: is
5: this part of, is, is this question sort of phrased in, uh, do you have to deliver an answer in the form of uh, Nick's polling system where we're only allowed one option each or? What, with a
1: like, ranking system of numbers that make no sense? Yeah. Well, what, no, yeah, we don't could, have time like, to Like, am what, I allowed what, to say what? the same as Nick?
0: Yeah, Nick, uh, no. basically, st- Stab wants to go to Battersea Dogs' home and he can't because it's already been chosen. Yeah, exactly. All the dogs have been... Staggering. <laughs> One visitor Nick, a day. Nick's, Nick's browsed all up all the dogs and they've all gone home with him in the back of a transit.
1: <laughs> Whether they like it or not. Stab, don't worry, you can still go and sit in a Spitfire for a day. I think I would choose go... I think I'd go sit in a Spitfire. See, so I'd be quite oh, for the cooling tower demolition, personally. Oh, I, I was, was going to take that. Ah, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> put in there what, quick.
0: What's even left now? Antiques Roadshow? All right, fine. I'll do that. <laughs>
1: Adam, I could picture you doing some good historic battle reenactments. I think you'd be good at
0: that. I'll I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. There's... Oh, I quite like... As you just said, all of these suggestions are quite appropriate for Alan. And I suppose that's because now for the first time he is hearing from people who are solely interested in him um, so when you had people texting to the DigiWall on this time it was your, your casual BBC One viewer um, when you had people calling into North Norfolk Digital it wasn't necessarily people that were Alan fans it's just people that are listening to the radio whereas for this mm, you have yeah. to actually know him and and kind of know a bit about him to to get involved so uh, that's probably why they're all good guesses and um, why sometimes when he goes to Twitter there's no, there's nothing
5: there because yeah. actually that, that audience size is very small
0: um, there's a recap on his date uh, obviously in last week's episode we know he, he went full Lazenby and went on a date uh, doing brunch and then swimming um, he says he refuses to divulge uh, too much because he wouldn't want to objectify her but then he does say looks seven smile five <laughs> personality seven
1: not bad <laughs> and, and that's an Alan score yeah <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> AP score. It, it, it did very much remind me of. Um, I think this is the second time I've mentioned it in this series. There's a, a similar scene in Men Behaving Badly where uh, Tony is dating several women. He says they're good girls. They've got their dignity. That's why I've come up with this ranking system. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we really Awful. need to do Men Behaving. We really need to do Men Behaving Podly, don't we?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we
1: need to. At the very least we just copyright the name first of all. Men Behaving Podly, <laughs> <laughs> presented by Monkeys Tennis. Uh,
0: so he's got his boat shoes on and his car keys on which is something of a clue uh, but he realises that he doesn't crucially he doesn't have his accreditation for the event that he's uh, supposed to be going to which prompts a call to Lynn Uh, obviously you don't hear Felicity Montague she's not part of the series as far as I can tell Um, but there's a lovely bit where you just get his side of the phone call uh, and and she is absolutely oblivious to uh, all the points he's making all the kind of references so he's like ah the Kraken awakes what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a giant squid.
0: <laughs> the RSPCA? No, it's made up. <laughs> so somehow, Lin thinks there is genuinely a, a, a kraken on the loose, and uh, the RSPCA needs to be called to rein it in.
4: Is a kraken a real creature? Isn't it just mythical as well? I'm not even sure it's a real thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a yeah. It's a mythical giant squid, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but then, yeah. obviously, I, I think that, that
5: is very much the Lin joke. believes in. Lynn believes in Jesus, who is also a mythical creature, so she's got form. <laughs> oh, there you
1: go. <laughs> uh, don't do this don't now. the Baptists, Tom. Don't let's not get bogged down in <laughs> in all that.
0: <laughs> Only God can smite you. <laughs> um so alan is off to well supposedly off to the southampton international boat show um this is real it's one of the largest in europe and because of its type in the uk which alan also says uh and it was due to take place uh, the 11th to the 20th of september this year in real life so technically if it did go ahead it probably would have just happened by the time you hear this episode uh, or I more likely it. probably called off for covid related reasons
4: I also have fond memories of the Southampton International Boat Shows. I remember the day that I went to university in Southampton. Um, it was it was on and it was the talk of the town. Um, so it really is a big event in the city of Southampton. I'm sure you've Did got you go fond now? memories of it. Uh, Did you go? I, didn't, I didn't have any accreditation. F- f- fond memories of something that you didn't go to. <laughs> no. Yeah, basically. So, so
1: fond memories of people just talking about something.
5: Oh man, yeah. I have fond memories of the World Cup in 1966. Did you go? <laughs> No, I wasn't alive. (laughs) But everyone was
1: talking about (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh,
0: There's a nice bit where he's spelling out the name of the show as he reveals it. He gets all the way to the last four-letter word and then says, I don't have time to spell it all out. (laughs) Having spelled out Southampton, International and Boat, he draws the line at also spelling show. Yes. Um, And then, yes, we kind of hear on the back of his one side of the phone call that, that something's happened to Lynn. I felt genuine concern for Lynn at this point.
4: I think I feel genuine concern for Lynn most of the time that Alan uh, is, is around her to be fair um, but yeah Lynn, Lynn's having heart palpitations and there's a scare and is taken to hospital
0: yeah and uh, as Alan says he's like he, he, we sort of hear him kind of get the details he goes I can't believe it yeah. I think I'm gonna to have to miss the Southampton International Boat <laughs> Show. No concern for Lynn really.
1: That's the thing um, you hear him on the call saying, um like asking Lynn if she's all right, but when he hangs up he actually sounds annoyed and then when he's saying he keeps kind of repeating to himself, Lynn's health must come first. Essentially he's trying to convince himself that, that that's correct, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean
5: I I I took from it the classic Alan where he's kind of obviously he's quote-unquote broadcasting, he's recording a podcast, so he, he would want his audience to think that he was concerned for Lynn's well-being, but if the recording wasn't happening, would he have had that same reaction? Possibly not. It's classic Alan that we've seen over the years where he sorts of feigns yeah. um, concern for other people, where actually it's like, how is this impacting on me?
0: and even yeah. as even in his concern he is trying to kind of find ways to downplay Lynn's ailment so he gives lots of examples of occasions where we've all had heart palpitations for example getting into a hot bath too fast Having an ice cream, or a lovely little uh, no me no you call back here, bumping into the relatives of a man you shot to death accidentally. So he's obviously he's obviously come across Forbes McAllister's uh, relatives, perhaps at an inquest or just on yeah. the street. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I missed the Forbes thing on my my first listen. Um, with it, I thought it was was it not the hot bath is combined with uh, it's after an ice cream. I thought those two things together okay. in causing heart palpitations. I don't think I've ever done that. No. Keen, keen to try it. I like, I like ice cream and I like baths. So yeah, but just Nick, don't you get in w- too fast because that is where you will risk the heart palpitations. you got to do it Nick, slowly. you
5: wouldn't be a fan of that because you hate baths, that's right. Unless ill.
4: I don't hate a bath, but I only have a bath when I'm feeling poorly. Um, if, you're, <laughs> if you're very ill, then you're probably stuck in bed. But when you're at that kind of poorly level where you're just not feeling right, um, a, a, a lovely bath can be a not only a relaxant, but can also help um, with your ailment.
5: So you've just said a lovely bath. So inherently, baths are lovely. Oh, so lovely. why not treat yourself to one where you're feeling tip top?
4: Um, yeah, just think I'd rather have a shower, get it over and done with. <laughs> so, so you know, The confused world of Nick Alder.
1: Yeah, basically, Nick, you could be feeling on a nine out of ten. Have a bath, and you're ten out of ten, but you're not interested.
4: But I think sometimes a bath it's too relaxing, so you wouldn't want a bath before you. <laughs> too Go relaxing. To... Too yeah, relaxing. It's, it's too so relaxing. have one before
5: bed. It's the optimum time. Have one in the evening. Lovely. Candles?
4: Uh, bit of no. music? Uh, yeah, Netflix? I, yeah, hardcore pornography? One of those? I definitely think <laughs> if, you're in, if you're not in a great state, then yeah, it's the iPad, <laughs> some really nice bubble baths, some candles, uh, a deep bath, and relax yourself better. Nick's Nick's Deep deep Bar
0: sponsored by (laughs) Dettol Um, (laughs) or hardcore porn (laughs) so there's a bit of chat about um, Lynn being uh, mildly racist uh, but in in Alan's explanation of her racism he also exposes his own Uh, they have a uh, they had a a foreign doctor called Dr. Robert uh, and he's saying how great it is that Dr. Robert got out of Rwanda before the genocide Uh, so you know they're both racist it's just Lynn sort of a little bit more honest about hers Um, he describes her as a race slash Baptist which I thought was quite nice I think Uh, it's fair
1: to assume she's uh, picked up these racist views from her mother as well
0: yes well and, uh, ingrained some, yep. some great bits about her capacity for drinking which i don't think has ever really come up before <laughs> uh, that she drinks steadily not heavily and uh to <laughs> quote alan he says she drives like she's drunk anyway the police know her but they don't pull her over she's hiding in plain sight like jimmy savile <laughs>
5: so good that bit. A lovely quote uh, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> um
0: also a great bit that um, it turns out that the cause of her palpitations is likely stress. Alan has no stress. Con- yeah, Alan has no concept of the stress that he puts her under.
4: I think he feels aggrieved at that point, doesn't he? He thinks that he he's the one that should be suffering from stress. He's the yep. one that should be in yeah. hospital. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the one that carries the burden of being a public figure. So he's mortified that Lynn could possibly be stressed when we all know as listeners that being Alan's tireless PA must be one of the most stressful jobs going
1: so, so the only thing he can come up with that he, he reckons that uh, any stress on Lynn's part has been caused by her nephew getting into chemsex. Yeah. Nothing to do with Alan's demands of uh, as her employer uh, or, or not letting her take bank holidays off because he's not a banker and neither is she.
0: Also, that's right, I love that uh, Also, crucially, uh, Lynn's nephew's got into chemsex but Alan's been sworn to secrecy, he says as he reads <laughs> it out on his podcast Yeah, yep.
4: it's very much Domingo in Little Oakley, isn't it? <laughs> yeah
0: uh, Speaking What's... about him not giving her bank holidays off because neither of them is a bank uh, he then also says that he judges her requests for time off on their merits but he names two examples that are essentially exactly <laughs> the same uh, he grants the first one but he doesn't grant the second
4: and this is, again, from the kind of, you know, same benefits packages as flexi-grief, where you can't take yeah. a prolonged amount of time off. It has to be taken in bite-sized chunks. Um, <laughs> another baffling um, example of how Alan deals with uh, any kind of time off.
1: I'm working on the basis that Alan has uh, would grant a visit to Bewley Motor Museum because he would like to go there himself because, obviously, he's into motoring, whereas uh, Chelsea Flower Show, he's not interested. So that gets a no
0: um and so, as a result of this time off with palpitations he's a for the next week uh, but he doesn't need a temporary assistant couldn't possibly go a whole week just sailing by on his own so he wrote to admin pixies i like the fact that um he's styled this job ad as if it's a lonely hearts um sort of like <laughs> yeah. i can't remember the exact words but it's kind of you know like broadcasting employer seeks you know like good yeah. sense of humor yeah. kind of yeah no, like
4: no ki- no kids <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose in Alan's world, he probably hasn't had to write a, uh, a job description or, or, or sort of advertise for a job for mm. years, whereas he is frequently involved in the world of dating, so is much more familiar with the format yeah. of a Lonely Hearts uh, ad.
1: Um, I-, I was just going to say about uh, him being Linless for a week, uh, one of my favourite lines in this episode he says, I'm going commando Linwise. <laughs> a slightly harrowing image, almost. Yeah. Um,
0: his requirements for the uh, temporary assistant they must have no children um, and they need to not be too sassy, but some sass is allowed. Um, I guess that kind of reminded me of his relationship with Psychic Simon. You know, like he can make a couple of jokes at Alan's expense, but once it goes too far he's cut off very quickly. Um, yeah. he, left, he left a typo in the ad to see if anyone can spot it. Only the people that do will progress. Um, and he added hashtag me too at the bottom just to show what side of the Weinstein fence he's on. And then he adds <laughs> hashtag times up just to be sure. Although he does say that he prefers to avoid women in trousers.
1: Uh, and, I w- and don't forget that the next round is problem solving.
4: Yeah, I like the idea that this is basically, it's kind of like the Krypton Factor, isn't it? Just to spend a week working with Alan, probably on £10 an hour. You've got to, you know, there's probably multiple rounds that you need to kind of get through. After problem solving, I can imagine there's a physical assault course, and after that, you probably have to land a flight simulator.
1: Uh, did did you make a note of the examples of uh, the industry power that Alan uh, says that he that he holds? Oh yeah,
4: this is great.
0: No. But if you've
4: got so it,
1: there, there were two things that uh, he could either get tickets to the final of Strictly or arrange a meeting with Simon Mayo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's power. That's <laughs> that's power um, so he pops around to Lynn's house uh, the titular Lynn's house of the episode to get his accreditation uh, uh, along this point he says I love boats they're like the cars of the sea which seemed like an odd thing to say and probably one of the weakest lines of the series so far um, there's a nice hint here I thought that he is outflanked by Lynn in terms of physical strength uh, because she's left the keys under a cement dog uh, and he struggles oh, to lift it presumably she must have point, lifted it yeah. to put them there so uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah. I think she she yeah. might, she could have him in a fight um, I did. A, there was also a nice
4: kind of like um, dig at Lynn as well. He says, whilst she's off doing sweet FA, I'm off employing a sweet <laughs> PA. I just thought, not only is that a great bit of writing, but a nice little dig at Alan insinuating that Lynn's just having a rest essentially in hospital and not doing anything.
1: And talking about the writing, I, I quite like that line about boats being the cars of the sea because it's kind of silly and doesn't really make sense. And it's just Alan trying to make everything like motoring and trying to align align it with that's how he like that's why he likes going to boat shows so i i thought that was quite good personally okay
0: yeah yeah i suppose um so so my notes next i've just got with three exclamation marks we're inside lynn's house <laughs> <laughs> so exciting um which is a perfectly serviceable dormer bungalow uh alan says a two-story bungalow so not a bungalow yeah <laughs> um, and he's we, we learned he's never been there on his own before which is i mean might seem quite unremarkable but i mean she's been working for him for the best part of 20 years now so the idea that he's never been to her house before is quite shocking
4: well it's more like like 30 years isn't it it, yeah i mean it seems like he's been in a couple of times and he he lists a few examples so you know if she's left her prayer book in the car he might come back in and give it to her and say please don't do it again or pop the kettle on so i can use the toilet without being heard or (laughs) have you heard so and so's into little boys but he's he's had what he describes as quite, you know, trivial moments in the house, despite the fact that some of those things probably um, don't require much time in the house versus so-and-so's little boys, which is probably a bigger discussion that you don't <laughs> want to have just for a couple of minutes while you pop in for a cup of tea.
5: Yeah, he did. well, he definitely has been to the house before because there's the bit where Lynn I forget what the exact phrasing is, but Lynn kind of blocks him from going into that room where he discovers what he discovers when we talk about it later on but he mentions in the in the recording that yeah Lynn Often tries to block or get in his way when he goes towards that door, so he has been there before.
0: Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, I guess that ties back to the cement dog with the keys underneath it—that she probably could stop him from going in if it came to blows. Yes, I I like those excuses you just mentioned. uh, Sorry, the the reasons you just mentioned, Nick, for him going round, uh, sort of to tip her off that someone they know is turned turns out into little boys, highlights something that's run through the whole of Lynn and Alan's relationship, which is I think they seem to get their most joy together. Uh, sort of gossiping about other people's misfortune, so like you see it yeah. when you see it when they discover that Tony Hares is dead, you see it when yes, he's yes. got a message with yeah, you see it with some of the relationship with Chris Feather, you see it now with him, you know, him coming around. Kind of, I, I get the impression that they like to update each other on this on, on, on other people's downfalls, and, and that that's kind of one thing they have got in common. I,
1: I think downfalls is exactly it, and I think it's actually it's a very interesting point this because it does show no matter how fractious their working rela- relationship actually might be. When it comes to essentially the downfall of one of Alan's inverted commas enemies, Lynn is always going to be supportive of that.
5: Uh, and also in I'm Alan Partridge series too, whenever they gang up together to get one over on Sonia in some way, so whether that's throwing the uh, the fake beard out of the car window, out of the sunroof, or <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. when they talk to- when they talk to each other really quickly so she can't understand, and he's yeah. like, oh, that's very good. <laughs> yeah. So there are those those yeah. little nuggets of times when they kind of come together. Which I always really enjoy when they kind of uh, when they're in sync, a, a team. Yeah, yes. It sort
0: of it sort of bleeds through into what Alan says next as well about that. That Lynn isn't the sort of person to kind of pounce on you. She prefers to wear away at you until you presumably leave the area. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that ties together quite nicely <laughs> with this sort of you know just kind of having subtle digs and just being difficult until eventually you just have to give up and go. <laughs> um he has a little nudge around our house i I feel like the writers know that this is what we want from an episode called lynn's house is we want to know about the furnishings we want to know about the decor we want to know like what's lying around so he uh picks up a book which he assumes is going to be something frothy and lightweight and then he finds out that it's actually the ipcris file um and so he assumes she must be reading it to impress a man um yeah i I love
1: that i feel like that ties in quite well to when uh in episode two when he was having a nose around the uh the person's house and kind of like casting huge uh, kind of aspersions around the type of character based on the books that were on the bookshelf.
0: Yeah, and assuming that all the frothy mm. stuff was the guy's like ex-wife that had left him and all the serious
4: stuff yeah, was yeah, belonged yeah, to the exactly. man of the house. So, you know, he,
1: he can't get his head around the fact that Lynn would be reading a spy novel, basically. He, he can't believe there's yeah. any way that she would read that for her own enjoyment.
4: She, yeah, she can't be
1: interested in it. She must be trying to impress a man. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason why she could be reading it. And equally, um, furthermore, does that mean because essentially that would impress Alan? Uh, Yeah, I feel like
4: Len Len Dayton is very much from his wheelhouse as well. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, she has a freeview box that's not plugged in, uh, and she has a, a standard chair. Well, he calls it a chairlift. It's a stairlift, isn't it? I think uh, it'll be from when her mum used yeah. to be with her. Uh, so Alan obviously has to go have a go on it. Um, I quite like this to bit be because fair. he's. I would definitely do that as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I like that he uh, he's, he sort of reviews it on the podcast as yeah. if he's he's on Top Gear as well. Let's yeah, open exactly. her up and see what she can do. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, has anyone
5: tried a stairlift?
0: No. No, I haven't either. Um, she has a penchant for oh, I love this description austere post-war biscuits <laughs> bourbons and ginger nuts which I think that's that's a kind of it's quite um, relatable there's a lot of people who, who that's their type of biscuit isn't it
4: that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say I, I'm very much from the austere uh, dry biscuit so my only biscuit that I'll ever buy or ever eat is a plain digestive delicious what <laughs>
1: Right. Let's unpack this. Let's unpack buy it ever eat. <laughs>
4: mm. Yeah.
5: Let that's, Let's unpack this.
4: Wouldn't
0: even add <laughs> um, a layer of chocolate. Nope. Don't need it. Don't want it. it what? <laughs> what? Are right. you saying? So, are you saying no to a hobnob if offered?
4: Um, not if offered. So I will eat the biscuits, but just to be clear, I buy uh, pretty much every week one pack that's of plain digestive biscuits. So
1: dry. Really? So that's part of your weekly shop. Staggering. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, just you know. that's just like eating dust.
4: Delicious, delicious dust. Uh, it's, not, it's not too sweet. Um, I generally have um, sometimes one at lunch, and I'll have two in the evening with a herbal tea.
1: Why not, down, enjoy, <laughs>
0: why not enjoy the Nick lifestyle by having a plain digestive whilst fastidiously avoiding a bath?
5: <laughs> so my question was going to be, uh, which out of those three uh, is everyone's
4: favourite? Oh, oh. I'd,
0: I'd take a bourbon if pushed. But I'm not really custard. a fan of any of them. They all feel very chalky and not mm. much like a treat in the They're year the of, our law of 2020.
1: I'd be torn between a custard cream or a ginger nut. To be honest, I think it's a custard out, cream out for me.
5: Custard cream. Yeah, I think it would be custard cream.
1: Or, or maybe maybe hack the custard cream where you take Ooh. a couple apart, combine <laughs> the uh, the creamy filling. So you've got like biscuit, maybe two or three layers of cream filling, biscuit. Why, not, do, put just,
5: Why not put a ginger nut in the middle of it as well?
1: Oh, you know what, Tom? Let, let's go crazy. Why not? Why not indeed? <laughs> oh, can I imagine is... eating that in the bath.
4: It, yeah. Cream is misleading, <laughs> though. I think it's more custard dust, isn't it? it
1: it's, yeah. it's definitely... It's compressed custard dust, without a yeah. doubt. It's, <laughs> custard.
0: <laughs> it's custard chalk. Yeah.
1: I was also quite surprised that there was no mention of Rich Tea or Garibaldi's in, uh, in Lynn's uh, joyless biscuit selection. I thought those would oh. have... Sort of uh, yeah. slotted right in
0: I feel like Garibaldi as far as the writers are concerned is too obviously funny to be included the word Garibaldi is, is in and of itself <laughs> funny whereas Custard Green is more subtle yeah. Um, so he uh, he goes into a room he's never uh, seen before because, as we mentioned, Lynn usually stands between him and the door and then all capitals in my notes with an exclamation mark, Lynn Paints. <laughs> so well, she I,
4: paints. I, I think she, she... I'm kind of relieved and I, I'm glad that she has a creative outlook where she can, you know, get it down on the canvas because she probably doesn't have someone that she can talk to. Um, so this is her kind of creative outlet to take all the things that are troubling her mind and get it down on the... On the canvas. Mm.
5: Now, at, at, at this
4: point, was anyone expecting? Because I know I was uh, there to
5: be a painting of Alan.
0: Yeah, I thought it was going to be kind of yeah representing her sort of uh, dislike or resentment of Alan in painting form. Um, but no, it seems like they're all just largely religious.
4: Yeah, I, I do yeah. kind of think that the the painting of Alan would have been really funny. But it, as we've kind of often said before they don't always take the obvious route and I think that would have been the obvious route and I like that we won't cover it, we'll come to it. There is a discovery that that Alan makes which I think is a better execution of a a hidden thing in Lynn's house rather than just, it's a painting of me. Which, don't get me wrong, would have been funny but I think the route they take is
0: better. You've also got the problem of how they would reveal it if she had done a a negative painting of Alan because all we hear is through the conduit of Alan so if he saw that, he probably wouldn't then explain it To the podcast, and so it it kind of it wouldn't really ring true.
1: Yeah, I feel like that would probably only really work as as a visual gag. So if it was in a TV show, I think there would be quite good ways you could reveal that and have Alan react to it. But yeah, in in an audio form, I think that'd be quite tough. But um. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised that they went with the religious roots because I mean, I, I assumed the man on the hill with the sun setting behind him is, is Jesus, and of of course, you've also got could be Moses. Uh, you, you've got uh, rays of sun uh, behind a dove, titled Holy Ghost, as well. <laughs> Um, Um, uh, some
0: nice quotes from Alan about these paintings Uh, his head's too big for his body but it's very poignant and uh, crucially (laughs) I don't think a man would paint these (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's at this point that Julie enters the scene isn't it Lynn's neighbour primarily to to complain that Alan's parked across her driveway and there's a lovely bit of pedantry here which again I imagine (laughs) might be the writers or Coogan spilling into Alan uh, where Mm. he's perplexed that she's complaining he's parked across her driveway but she doesn't have a car so what's he blocking
4: I like that Alan can't see that this would probably be the worst thing that you could possibly do to him, block his car in and block his drive, yet when he does it to someone else, purely because they don't have a car, that means that you know, it shouldn't trouble them and it shouldn't be a problem.
5: I'm I'm almost on Alan's side. He handles it badly, don't get <laughs> me wrong, because he's Alan, but also she hasn't got a car, so what's he do
1: what's the problem? And actually, I would be you're, thinking
5: that internally probably you're, whilst you're saying kind of I'm right. really sorry
1: if he'd handled it in a better way uh, in terms of I'm here because it's an emergency situation and Lynn's in hospital I didn't have time to check like if there was another if there was another car that would be coming in I think it would be fine but yeah he's uh, but obviously he handles it badly and is in effect completely rude to the neighbour because she doesn't know who he is
0: yeah, um, so he, I,
1: he's immediately pissed off by that.
0: Crucially, I'm also on Alan's side because I think I, I've got a similar a similar real life parking uh, issue Uh-oh. with a neighbour at the moment, <laughs> and I think that I think that um, Alan would agree with me in uh, in my case. So I have to side with him on this as well. Um, so uh, I like this. There's a bit where sort of I feel like Alan's almost very close to having an epiphany about his behaviour and the way he treats Lynn with this whole Mr. Kipling thing uh, where where he basically is talking to Julie and it's revealed that Lynn thought that Mr. Kipling was a genuine, uh, kindly gentleman that is the, the, a the proprietor. A debonair
1: gent at a garden party.
0: Yes, the proprietor of uh, of a delicious cake company. And Alan's had to say, you know, this is a fictitious character made up by a marketing department. And then Julie says to him, well, well why did you have to – say that and he's sort of like well, what do you mean he's like well you know why did you have to burst burst the bubble and for a second i think he's really about to latch on to something you know like a bit of a therapy breakthrough he goes oh i've never really thought about it like that and, and i i was waiting for the kind of oh yeah you know perhaps i've, I've misjudged but he's like i've never really thought about that and uh, i probably won't think about it again once, <laughs> once i've stopped talking to you
1: <laughs> I, I think that there's another moment towards the end of this episode where yeah you think he's going to have a bit of a moment of levity and a bit of a revelation but it, it it doesn't come um did you guys notice uh when he's saying he's there to pick up lynn's kobo had you mm. heard of a kobo before
4: yeah yes Because yes. yes. it's a type I, I, of e-reader yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so of, co- of course he explains it in the episode but i thought that was kind of funny because he, he then says oh you might you might know it as a kindle it's a bit like okay interesting almost like semi product placement for amazon but the fact that lynn has a kobo so not the amazon device was quite a nice little kind of subtle up yours to amazon see I
0: thought it, I read it more that you know normal people that know what they're doing get get Kindles yeah. Yeah, and that that's... Lynn Lynn a baffled woman in her late what <laughs> 70s has has bought a Kobo because it's basically as far as I know Kobos were aggressively marketed by WH Smith and that's where yes. I heard of them so yeah. she's a WH Smith kind of girl and uh, right, most people right. are most people are Amazon shoppers who bought I Kindles yeah
1: But either way great product placement
0: yeah, well, well included. Um, there's a bit where he's talking about. I think I don't know if it's at the boat show. He's expecting Ellen MacArthur to be there, and he's looking forward to seeing her so he can say "great sailing, kiddo," which I thought was <laughs> a one of the most patronising yep. things I've ever heard. I mean, has he has he ever even sailed a boat? And also, uh, very indicative that his views haven't changed since he was a sports reporter. And es- essentially, he was massively impressed by the sporting prowess of all the uh, male sports people he spoke to, and then he basically just fancied all the female ones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think it probably is
0: so uh he finds out that lynn has stored but crucially not sent probably i think hundreds of letters of complaint ali hundreds written, uh to people over the years did anybody note down uh who some of these letters were to and what they were about
1: yeah i've i've got that if you want me go to go through it. it um so i've got I like the way it starts off with, with why is Lynn writing to Kay Burley? So it takes a while to process the fact it's actually his letter. So you've got Kay Burley, you've got Ainsley Harriet with the brilliant line, ready, steady, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> you've got the BBC canteen and Sue Cook uh, when he wrote her Drunk in 1995 making a proposition. I think those are the main ones, I'm missing do-
0: uh, no, but I think it's important it's... to go through the reasons that he's complaining. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. in the in the case of Kate Burley, it's because she didn't wave back across the room from a Pizza Express. Uh, AZ Harriet, it's because he wasn't invited to AZ Harriet's summer garden party. BBC Catering, it's because he mistook cling film on a ready meal for a condom, removed yeah. it and ate the meal anyway. So, crucially, he is prepared to eat a meal that he believes has oh, a condom. Oh, and he thought it was
1: a used condom as well, which is yeah. Really yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and uh, and Sue Cook, crucially, he wrote to her when he was drunk in 1995 asking to have a relationship. Yeah. Um, I think there's Ooh, also um, the
4: the Lord Mayor of Norwich um, who took a, the equivalent of a binman's salary um, to get a hair transplant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, threatens to sort of blackmail him, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but I thought this was this was quite interesting. Did anyone else expect this to be the point where Alan turns on Lynn? He's he's very yeah. angry that yeah. she hasn't, sub- but actually he's sort of he's matured I, a little perhaps.
4: Well, I also think he's kind of like. he's kind of guided or navigated through the correct way to think um, by Julie. So she's like, oh, she she saved you there. And then that's the point where I was like, yeah, she has. Whereas I feel like if she hadn't been there, he probably would have flown off the handle and gone, what the hell's happened here? Why haven't he done this? But he's kind of like navigated with the correct way to think about this. He's had to
0: be instructed how to think.
1: It's it's exactly the same thing that happens with Mr. Kipling, isn't it? The neighbour kind of forces him to realize there is a different way to think about these things
0: yeah yep yeah. and so so he says oh yeah she was protecting me from me and then he sort of it kind of builds to the point where you feel like he wants to do something nice for her uh, yeah. but what it turns out that is is that he gets julie to buy a card from him uh he gives her some cakes that belong to her anyway <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah he's ba- basically he's suddenly so touched that he's prepared to ask someone he's just met to buy her a card on his behalf
4: and there's a there's a really great moment where it sounds like he's going to give her a lift and drive her to the hospital, which would obviously be you know the right thing mm. to do, irrespective of this discovery. Just maybe give her a lift if it's just down the road. But no, 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 no. She's getting the bus. And he's like,
0: oh great, great. Like there's no offer. <laughs> yeah. there's no offer of a lift. And then finally, it calls her Judy instead of Julie, yes. and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> so good. That, that is,
1: I, I think that whole sequence is so fantastically done because yeah, you think it's going to go one way and takes quite a severe left turn. Yeah.
0: Uh, so anything else on uh, Lynn's house or should we move on to episode five?
1: Uh, well, I just, I was going to say, I just like this kind of the solidifying of the, the Gibbons world. Like we talked about sw- uh, Alan's love of swimming the other week, um, like his, his regular trips to the boat show. So these have obviously been referenced in the I Partridge book and mid morning matters. Um, and in, in those versions, it's the Earl's court boat show and it looks like he would regularly attend with uh Dale Winton, Paula Grady and Noel Edmonds. So uh, I just say, I just think that's quite nice that that's, Clearly, they developed the character to a point where mm. that's something that he does every year.
0: Lovely stuff. Uh, so, episode five is titled AMA uh, for regular Reddit users or people of an internet era. Uh, you'll already know what this is. Um, effectively, it's Partridge fielding uh, listeners' uh, questions, um, although. We could get into some debate about how many questions he actually manages to get through in this twenty-two-ish minute episode. I think it's maybe four. <laughs> uh, yeah. No,
1: it, you know what? It's actually six. So t- should we recap those at the end of the app?
0: Yep, sure. Okay. Yep. So um, he gives some examples. Uh, he's he's had a soundscape made, which is basically just some audio <laughs> layered over some other audio. Uh, what was your earliest memory? When did you last cry? Would you bring back hanging? How does Alan celebrate Ramadan? And how do you take your eggs? To which the answers, respectively, are looking at a kite when I lost my best scarf yes by eating poppadoms at home which is my favourite and coddled for eggs Um, I didn't know
5: what coddled eggs meant I had to look that up
4: yeah I looked it up as well it sounds disgusting
1: to be honest no but it's poached eggs
4: that's your favourite no 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 it's not it's not it's it's when you... No no, um, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. No, 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 I've got to stop you there. It's when you take an egg just to the point of being cooked. So a poached egg would be a cooked egg. A coddled egg is, like, just on the cusp of being cooked, which sounds gross. Always So it it's basically a, a raw poached in. egg? Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, I uh, I loved the idea that he he felt you could um, give a one-word answer to would you bring back um, public hanging. Just yes, there's no further detail required. Uh, <laughs> and then the idea of celebrating Ramadan where it's just eating Doms at home, which no doubt would be on his own, but also there's no further detail on a meal or it's part of a, a wider setting or you're with friends. It's just <laughs> eating doms, which is generally speaking as part of an Indian meal, just the first part of a much bigger meal.
0: It sounds to me like effectively he's just Ramadan to him as an excuse to eat poppadoms, isn't it? That's, that's, <laughs> that's all it means. That's all it means as far as Alan's concerned. Also, it really
5: sounds like he says he says uh, Ramadan instead of Ramadan. Quite exactly. possibly.
0: I think he definitely says Ramadan. Uh, so this uh, this soundscape that we heard was edited by Tony Meber, and apparently it's very important that we talk about Toby Meber. Yes, yes, Tony Meber, Toby Meber. Very important to uh, discuss at length how this uh, very basic bit of audio technology was put together. Uh, so he's the son of voiceover artist John meeber, um, And uh, yeah, Alan seems to think that a soundscape is basically a revolutionary new idea. But I'm pretty sure this was happening, you know, 50 years ago.
1: Yeah, I, I did know he takes around two minutes to explain this soundscape that lasted for probably 15 seconds.
5: <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that he it's... thinks didn't work anyway. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's
1: amazing. He, go, he goes from saying he did a fine job and praising him as having real passion to the concept was a bit confusing. It didn't quite work. I won't be doing it again. And generally, I think new ideas are bad.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I enjoyed the I did enjoy the kind of um, relationship that, that, that these two had. Uh, I also enjoyed that Alan had to uh, ball him out a couple of times and said that uh, his dad would be ashamed of him, which Doesn't get much worse in terms of an insult, so it's gone well.
1: And that becomes so much worse when you refer back to episode one, when he advertises that um, Toby Mieber is doing his debut gig at the Fob and Firkin, and he says he's not a confident lad. (laughs) not anymore Uh, I wonder why
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, uh, so Alan's introducing this as the first in a regular strand I mean saying that has become a regular strand across the AVU of AMA uh, or Ask Me Anything Um, we discover that he has previously discharged himself twice from hospital once because of the infected foot in Nomad which I thought was good because it does indicate that the events of Nomad did actually take place and it wasn't just a fever dream where he met a tramp Um, (laughs) uh, so and and he also says this is really nice because I think um, one thing you can miss from audio partridge is that sense of slapstick that you sometimes get from the TV, but I think the description of him having an ECG exam uh, where the nurse took too long to put the sticky patches on him, chatted about Dermot O'Leary for too long, so he went to leave, but the patches pulled the equipment trolley behind him uh, was a nice bit of slapstick, even in just in the description of it.
1: Mm. I, I thought it was interesting the reference to um, discharging himself in the nomad context because he in this in this version here is talking about a Falklands veteran who was diminishing Alan's own suffering. But I think in, in, the, in the reality of the Nomad book, he basically discharged himself because he had to get back to a broadcast at Northern Norfolk Digital because he didn't have the holiday time. <laughs>
5: um, in terms of AMA as a format, are any, are any, have any of you guys sort of taken part in one or watched one sort of unfold? No. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've seen some, some I, uh... great and some terrible ones before.
5: I highly recommend I won't necessarily go into too much detail here, but uh, some ones for you to check out in your own time. Definitely check out the James Corden AMA and definitely check out the Woody Harrelson AMA because <laughs> oh, they the both Harrelson...
0: very badly. Is that the Woody Harrelson Brampart one? Yeah, incredible. So good. <laughs> yeah, yep. please do search for that.
1: I was going to say, I like the way that Alan... Um tease up the explanation of ama at the top of this because uh, when he's saying a social media device in which a celebrity sits at a computer and people in offices ask them burning questions i like the fact there's a level of disdain when alan's describing trends or practices on social media he's scathing and kind of unsure of the value and i'd say arguably i think you could look that this is the writing team using alan as a mouthpiece for their own views again
0: yep, absolutely. yeah absolutely like yeah they, is... they've
1: probably been asked to do amas loads of times and said no
0: I've certainly never yeah. seen Steve Coogan do an AMA, and I'm I'm sure there've been plenty of projects where it might have made sense for him to do so.
1: And also, I I, re- I realized um, uh, on a previous episode we were talking about um, the Alan Part- the kind of sem- the official Alan Partridge Twitter account, which kind of comes into life every now and then when there's a new project. And in a previous episode, we talked about there was a tweet from September 2019 mm. where Alan was saying. Um, I receive up to questions from fans wanting to know about the real me, and even though that's true, I'm nonetheless uh, soliciting additional questions from you. They will either be used in an exciting forthcoming project if any, or, might, or more likely discarded. So Adam, you did predict that that was gonna be a potential call out for questions to be used in a new project. Yeah. Um, so whether any of the responses in that were actually used on this I don't know but probably not because as we'll go through he doesn't really answer any decent questions.
0: I've got a feeling that um, although they asked for it I don't think they were ever intending to use questions from real people but I think yeah. they put that tweet up so that now when you go back it's like oh it's it, he, yeah, he, yeah. he, d- he did nice really ask um, So uh, yeah our housewife's favourite Nick Knowles re-enters the frame at this point when Alan talks about previous AMAs uh, that, that Nick Knowles was accused of avoiding any touchy questions e.g. did he killer man in a pub fight in 2000 uh, or richard <laughs> or, or, hammond who didn't want to answer whether he had lifts in his shoes uh, and had to be calmed by celebrity pals saying call it big boy because if you call richard hammond big he tends to calm down which i really liked.
4: i would also love to know what um coogan's relationship with richard hammond and nick knowles is like if they ever see each other at kind of awards dues is it a quick you know laugh and a joke about this or you know how they kind of uh, perceive these in real life
0: I mean, Coogan's done the star in a reasonably priced car on Top Gear while Hammond was presenting it, I believe. So they must yep. have uh, interacted yep. at the very least. Yeah, true, true. Um, did anyone note down where he solicited the questions for this AMA? Some of them traditional, some of them less so. Uh, so he's for them <laughs> okay. on Twitter, Facebook, his local paper, and people he's close to.
1: Well, I was, was going to say my note is, in, in essence, he's kind of sourced this via any correspondence he's had across his life in the past week. Like meet, meeting a dog walker saying, do you like dogs? <laughs> like yeah. he, he almost includes that as one.
0: Also interesting that he says that questions have come from every corner of the UK, ignoring the fact that if you solicited on Twitter and Facebook, you would expect at least some international ones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, just a couple uh, of uh, quick pronunciation things I've spotted before we get into the questions as well. Did you guys make a note that he says tangential instead of tangential
0: (laughs) no but that's great and
1: uh and merely minutes after saying that nobody pronounces ama armor he calls it armor oh (laughs) that that, that happens just before he gets into the nick Knowles bit i think excellent wonderful
4: um yeah is it time to tackle um the the first of these meaty questions
0: (laughs) yes let's
4: um i mean it basically it's, it's, it's how would you deal with terrorists which it's an odd question, but if you park that, it's probably something that would um, elicit a fairly detailed and, dare I say, robust response. Um, but no, we don't get that.
0: Um, don't you think as well that, that if someone asks how would you deal with terrorists? They're probably talking on a sort of wider sociopolitical, you know, is yeah. it is it sanctions? Is it Guantanamo? Do you you know do you believe that torture is justified you know kind of on a sort of country versus country level whereas yeah. he is talking very much about how you would deal with a terrorist a physical, if, you, yeah, if, a you, if you, you met them in an iceland car park for example well, yeah he's basically
1: putting himself into his own die hard movie isn't he that's what he's doing yeah.
0: Yeah. So his answer is that he would kick them so hard in the balls that they would collapse. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he, it seems it's very obvious that all of the tips that he's got here for dealing with terrorists have been taken from films where yep. Holly, Hollywood actors deal with terrorists. Um, I particularly like <laughs> that this segues into a little, little bit of chat about Tom Cruise. where He says Tom yeah. Cruise exercises a lot because he can't form human relationships unless, of course, it's with Simon Pegg. Um, yeah. But he really he really muffles the word Simon Pegg as if he's sort of trying to say it but not say it at the same time.
1: So I think is that, is that a thing? where that's just because obviously coogan and peg have worked together loads over the years is that, is that just for him that's a bit of a bit of fun just to put a dig in for peg like as a mate essentially like going yeah on, i think yeah because yeah, th- uh, yeah. we
5: we we know anecdotally that they that they are mates they spent new year's eve together at, at, at some point in the past but um
2: I also yeah, I think feel... it's just a
5: little dig at him because obviously now he's super Mr. Big yeah, exactly. Hollywood. exactly. And yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. always yeah. kind of what Coogan wants, to be super big A-list Hollywood <laughs> uh, in Hollywood, and he's not quite that. But uh, Simon Pegg very much is now.
1: Uh, just to be clear, it's Tom Stab saying he's not quite that. We haven't. <laughs> it's not the rest of us saying that. Tom Stab there. I
4: think the thing that I enjoy is whenever uh, Simon Pegg is over for Mission Impossible promo is that he's always he, he's almost become the mouthpiece for Tom Cruise because... Cruise doesn't do tons of promo Um, and so Simon Pegg will often just get asked all of these kind of Tom Cruise conduit questions and it's just funny kind of hearing him kind of almost be the mouthpiece for for Tom Um, so yeah I did enjoy that it was good. Has he ever tried to
5: convert you to Scientology, that sort of thing?
4: mm,
0: I feel as well, um, it's like if someone offered you money to name a friend of Tom Cruise after Simon Pegg, it would be quite hard to name another person (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I think they have got a bit of a point there. So uh, Alan uh, has to stop uh, Oast House, the episode very briefly to deal with a walker wearing trainers. He's keen to point out, so not prepared for the uh, the, the terrain, who should have asked who should have permission before walking on his permissive footpath um and he then goes and talk about the fact that he once met a pro hunter working for the real countryside alliance which i like because it's a nice alignment with the ira and the real ira the idea that there needs to be like a a, a militant sub wing of the countryside alliance
1: um I, mean, I think that i think that was a that was a real was or is a real thing the real countryside Alliance. Oh really? i don't think it's something they've just made up for that um, hilarious i was gonna say is, is it fair to assume that um uh ramblers walking through probably happens almost daily to alan living in the oast house and he hates it
0: yeah i think that's that's
1: what we kind of led to there yeah and i thought there's a nice little tie-in with uh sir cecil phillips the leader of the annual north norfolk hunt from uh, mid-morning matters Mm. as well because remember when alan had him on as a guest he basically had to face angry calls afterwards because he didn't challenge any of cecil's views on fox hunting so it seems like um he's still taking whatever uh people involved in hunts and things he's just taking whatever they tell him at face value yeah he's never questioning what 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 that what they what they think is right
0: although he does uh, display some skepticism because he says uh, explained that huntsman, he said the pro hunter explained that huntsmen are basically filling in for an absent wolf population but alan observes that he also had an answer for everything yeah <laughs> i think it's quite
4: a nice uh, subtle bit of writing that's essentially having a slight dig at the hunting community that you know you have to get dressed up with all this pageantry to ultimately murder a small
0: brown dog they're not dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, crucial to note that we are halfway through this episode and one question has been asked so far. be <laughs> Ask Me Anything episode of the Ice Towers.
1: Um, the bit when Alan's talking about people being unfamiliar with the rambling protocol going for uh, country-wearing trainers, um, have we all been guilty of that in, at times, do we think? Having ill-prepared footwear choices for countryside walks? Or...
0: I've certainly drenched a skate shoe in my time, yet.
1: Because <laughs> I... I have in my mind that I once had a walk around Richmond Park with some pals including Nick and I'm pretty sure it was very muddy and Nick was wearing brand new bright white really?
4: converse oh yeah, yeah probably that sounds like me yeah
1: it, it, it seems like <laughs> it, doesn't it <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I don't remember it but i'm not going to challenge it because yeah. that yeah. sounds plausible
1: yeah. uh, seems there's, like thing Nick would do.
0: there's a nice bit of uh, observational comedy i guess that relates to footwear where he says "Sir, uh, when you see a boot scraper outside someone's house you think they know how to vote in a general election which it's kind of like you obviously don't agree with that point but you can you can really see what he means can't you
1: Yeah, and I I did check, with the exception of Norwich South, the whole Norfolk and Suffolk area did vote Tory in the 2019 general election. Mm -hmm. Um, Just had to check that.
0: The next question comes in from Hayley, who asks, to whom would you like to apologise? Alan's got a very specific answer for this one.
4: Yeah, and again, it would be an opportunity to... Uh, here an, an interesting response in terms of the people that maybe he's slighted or upset or, you know, with the joy of hindsight, you can look back on and think, actually, probably I would like to apologise to that person because I said the wrong thing, I overstepped the mark, whatever it might be. What we get is as ludicrous an answer as the kicking terrorists in the bollocks.
1: Before we get into, into the detail of that as well... I really like the fact he he starts off his answer by saying, I'm not much of an apologiser. But 30 seconds previous, he was apologising to the hunting community for saying they wear leggings, <laughs> not jo- not yeah. joppers.
5: <laughs> and of course, something that, you know, you can imagine Alan uh, saying or thinking without actually hearing it in this episode. He sees willingness to apologise as a weakness rather, mm. than, a, <laughs> rather, mm. than, rather than a sign of strength and humility. Yeah.
4: And so just to be clear, this kind of story um, boils down to he was on a plane. Someone was telling them, uh, telling Alan about his job and he thought it sounded a bit boring. So he (laughs) pretended to go to sleep, um, which isn't great. But I think where it gets really bad is he then kind of, you know, partially opens his eyes to see if the chap is still (laughs) looking at and talking to him, which it transpires he is. uh, And understandably, the chap's obviously a little bit miffed um, for that. That in and of itself is bad and funny, but there are, are two additional payoffs to this, which are great. So one is uh, Alan's yawn. I don't know if anyone's prepared to do uh, an impression of how Alan uh, <laughs> pretends to yawn.
2: Yeah,
1: that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. But it's,
4: it's, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Then it's also the payoff where Alan says he's sorry then there's a tactical pause where it's like, if he felt offended by my (laughs) fake sleep. So it's an apology for if that chap felt uh, bad for Alan pretending to sleep. It's not an apology.
0: On a flight which happened in 1990. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's learned a thing or two from kind of celebrities and, and politicians apologising, but not really, yes.
1: hasn't he? It, it, it's the classic kind of era of social media apology. I'm sorry if you were offended. It's uh, very, very very backhanded.
0: The next question comes from Twitter and it is literally, Where get shoes? <laughs> so, Alan, Where get shoes? is it uh, Al- from
5: this time? Yeah, it is. Yes, it's used yeah, to this time, time episode it? two
0: there does always tend to be a sort of a three percent crossover from one partridge project to the next in terms of mm. gags doesn't there uh yeah a couple a couple of recycled uh, he lists and all that, that tweet does
1: still exist as well that is still because when we worked out that they'd they'd taken real tweets to at this time show so you, you can find that, Alan Wear Get Shoes. Um, yeah, and I really enjoyed Alan's uh, keeping a list of funny place names. The The one that stuck out most for me was Barton in the Beans. That did genuinely uh, quite amuse me. Um, I did have a quick look into that for anything interesting. It's a hamlet in Leicestershire. And I think Lynn would probably like it because Wikipedia tells me there are no shops or pubs here, only a Baptist church and a post box. Uh,
5: so in the interest of uh, Alan's, uh, Alan keeping a list of uh, funny place names, I took to Google... And uh, I've come up with a list of uh, funny place names, and I want you to tell me whether they are real place names or whether I have made them up.
0: It's real or no more faker than part two.
5: <laughs> it is. Yep. We've essentially done this game before, but why not do it again? Why not just rehash it? Sure. Anyway, right, so group consensus. I've got ten names. I'll rattle through them quite quickly, and I want a group consensus. Do you think they're real or are they fake? Right, so number one, Gaping Hole.
4: Gone. Real. F- real. Oh. Okay, I've been outvoted. Fine. We're saying real. It's fake. Um, I was gonna say, guys,
5: gaping hole. Come on. <laughs>
4: <Gaping> <laughs> number two. Hole.
5: Number two. Boggy bottom.
4: Yes. Real. I think yeah, that, that's I'm gonna say real. Okay, real. It is it is real. It's in Hertfordshire. Uh number three, happy bottom. I think it's fake. fake. Happy, fake. happy bottom. <laughs> It's real. It's in Dorset. Nick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Scratchy Bottom. Got to be. Are, the, are these all going to be variations on bottom? No, <laughs> this is the last okay. bottom related oh, one. Okay. Uh, uh, real? I'm going to say fake for scratchy. Yeah, I think fake.
5: Scratchy Bottom is in Dorset.
4: Oh, <laughs> script, script, script. Uh, next up, Sandy Balls. Uh, why would buy <laughs> Why the balls? Why the balls, like... <laughs> at the bottom makes sense but balls is not a... so
0: you're saying fake I think fake I'm fake yeah. I'm saying fake
4: it's in Hampshire it's real
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> next one Nick I think what we're learning here is there's no point in applying logic to why yeah, these yeah, places have these not. notes True. next one reach around <laughs> fake
0: fake
5: come <laughs> on surely fake. it is fake yeah <laughs> next one
1: twat <laughs> oh, that's that's true. I think, I think I that's,
5: think
0: that's I think that's real, and I'm going to say it's got two T's at the end.
5: Okay, real. It, it, it is real and has two T's at the end. It's in the uh, <laughs> it's in the Orkney Isles. Uh, next one, great
4: balls. I mean, after sandy balls, anything's possible, right? So should we say uh, yeah. but
0: I... if they can be sandy, they can certainly be great. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, but it, it, is is stab trying to catch us out? Is this fake?
0: Uh, I'm going to say real. I'm going to say real as well.
1: Okay, great consensus. It's fake. Oh.
5: <laughs> Penultimate one. Great Fanny Cove. Yeah, gotta be real.
4: I'm happy to say real.
0: Yep, yeah, sure, real.
5: I made that one up, it's fake.
0: Oh, we are and bad at fin- this. Yeah. And
5: finally, Wet Wang. <laughs> real. <laughs> that is real.
0: Oh, okay. Tom Dark knows. He's Good been knowledge. to Wet Wang. Good <laughs> knowledge of a Wet Wang, it's Tom Dark. <laughs>
5: Uh, Wet Wang is indeed real. It's in Yorkshire. Wow, we did there we go, That's that. the end of the quiz. I wasn't counting what ones you were getting right. It seems you did quite badly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree we're happy to have not kept score Um, so yeah Paul from Throop emails to ask who should be the next James Bond Uh, Alan of course is overflowing with opinions and ideas on this, Um, claims he'd be fine with a female Bond because he's not sure you can be that prickly about casting the role of a quintessential Englishman when you've already given it to a Scottish chap Um, (laughs) which is nice because I feel like we we discussed this before on the dating episode with him going full Lazenby and and being a big fan of Lazenby's Bond that Alan basically likes the Bonds that no one else does so he doesn't Mm -hmm. break. Connery, but he is a big Mm. fan of Lazenby. Also, Lazenby is Australian. Uh, ah, yeah. oh, okay, of course. Yeah, there
4: we go. He is, he is, you're quite
1: uh, cool. I, I also did enjoy with, with the idea that we'll get into that he's saying, yes, he would make it a woman, but then goes on to describe at great length his idea starring two men.
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's get into Alan's grand Bond concept. You can tell he's had time to develop this over several years. He would split James Bond into two uh,
4: characters. Can, I, can it, I say something? Sorry to cut you off, but I, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a line that he says about this idea that I think, before we go in to describe it, I think it's worth pulling uh, this line out. So he says... The reason the idea works is because you have to obey the rule of logic. Now, remember that as we go, as we go on
0: to describe this idea, the
4: rule okay. of logic. Yeah, fair, fair point. So, it's so worth having please,
1: that at the top. Please continue, so,
0: Adam. He would split James Bond into two characters, Um, Jack James, played by Idris Elba, and Brian Bond, played by Tom Hiddleston. Uh, They would form a detective agency. At this point, I realise he's also drawing on his limited knowledge of uh, Holmes and Watson. Um, Yeah, exactly. One of his specialist subjects, he claimed, but he didn't know that Sherlock Holmes wasn't real. Let's remember that. Uh, He claims they need to be two of them so that they can infiltrate different types of areas. This is where his casual racism comes in as well, because he claims (laughs) that Idris Elba would be given short shrift at a private members club for old (laughs) Etonians. Um, The first movie, (laughs) I guess
1: before we get into that, I just really enjoyed that. You couldn't imagine Hiddleston genuinely having a fight with someone or being good at running. Yeah,
0: Yeah. that's why you need two actors. Uh, The first movie would be Firewall colon license to kill malware. Um, (laughs) A mission that takes place inside the Internet. Um, He then goes into a very complicated bit about how he believes that they. Well, firstly, he talks again about the importance of it has to follow the logic of the Internet. Um, then explaining that's why they would need to be physically shrunk and put on a USB stick <laughs> so that they can have a physical fight with a computer virus. Uh, uh, basically, he's clearly watched the movie Inner Space in the last yes, few exactly weeks. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, they're,
1: they're no bigger than ants, and the virus looks like stormtroopers. There's a couple of key details for the plot there as well.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's Alan's logical uh, layout of how Bond, the future of Bond should look.
1: Just very quickly, though, I'd like to put an appeal out to the listeners. Um, If they could send in their mock-up posters of James and Bond in Firewall Licence to Kill Malware, uh, that'd be something a bit of fun to share on the socials, I reckon. Because we had uh, some good... Oh, fuck, I can't remember. What were the posters we had in before? Oh, Skirmish, Um, the movie, wasn't it?
5: um, And also, we also had people's um, submissions for Nick being eaten by Quaddy as well.
2: Oh, yes, yeah, and
1: John Baskell in uh, Ghost as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we,
1: just, uh, yeah, any mock-up <laughs> posters for James and Bond in Fireball License to Kill Malware, please do send them over.
5: I don't think License to Kill Malware is the title. I think that's the tagline it's James and Bond in Firewall and then the tagline well, is leave... Licence to Kill
0: Malware oh, well we can I... leave
1: that up to the listeners interpretation
0: yeah. I thought it was a sort of uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol situation where it's part oh, right. of the title yeah, but yeah. it's on the other side of a colon anyway <laughs> up, to, up to your interpretation it's <laughs> very it. clear very yeah. clear uh, the next question he's asked is where are you going on holiday uh, he says he aimed originally to spend six months traversing Africa diagonally in a Land Rover <laughs> uh, but an expert said he wasn't experienced enough so he's going for a fortnight in the Peak District to lots and lots of zip wiring at GoApe. Yeah.
4: And Guardian readers might not understand it, but deep, deep down they also want to do it.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, oh, oh, yeah, there's a segment here where he's like, it's a special new segment with its own theme, Me Facts. And yeah. that fact is that he's never me. been to Northern Ireland. And that's the whole segment, beginning <laughs> <The game laughs> to end. He's just never been to Northern I thought Ireland. It-
1: That's very kind of GCSE, my first podcast. It's utterly pointless. I think the jingle in and out of the fact is longer than the fact itself. Uh, But also, I think the great thing, it's a great connection back to... Uh, I'm Alan Partridge Series 1. He still hasn't visited Northern Ireland. In 1997, he said he'd love to go, but to be fair, he was put off by the prices of the £49 flights.
5: That's Ireland, not Northern Ireland, in I'm Alan yeah.
0: Partridge Series 1. <laughs> uh, yeah. But don't uh, worry, Tom, because historically, there's been no problem yeah, yeah. with, uh, exactly. with, with, with <laughs> intimating that Ireland and Northern Ireland are effectively the
1: same thing. I, I think the point still stands. Alan's so that's not going Tom there. Dark
0: confusing Northern <laughs> Ireland and Ireland as the same thing. That's Tom Dark. Who? <laughs> Oh
4: dear, right, should we move on? Uh, yes.
0: yes, so there's a number of, this is quite a simple gag but I really enjoyed it, there's a number of questions that have been collated by Lynn, uh mm. that have been posted in, I believe uh, such as, has he been involved in an accident that wasn't his fault? Would he like to earn pounds at home? Is he thinking of moving house? And have you registered to vote? I'm a big <laughs>
5: fan of Alan just kind of saying under his breath Jesus Christ, she's shit
0: Yeah, <laughs> and then calling her
4: Glyn <laughs>
1: Yeah. I missed that goes, oh goes, I missed that he goes Christy
4: shit and then just says Glyn
0: <laughs> um, so he has to resort to asking whoever's around uh, for questions so it's another appearance from his cleaner Rosa who's fast becoming a, a fan favourite in this series um, he says Rosa have you got a question for me uh, she asks him for more money he's like, <laughs> he's like no a question about me and then she just goes no thank you <laughs> oh,
4: that is so good Oh, um, is, is this the point where High Noon makes um, another uh, mm. appearance to thwart uh, Alan and frankly, Rylan? Yep. yeah.
1: <laughs> with, with a barrage of questions.
4: Yeah. Has anyone got those questions? I think I've, I've got them. If, if not, I mean, there is. I have, guys, I have. Go ahead. There is a lot, but it's. Um, How many wing mirrors have you hit with your car recently? Why do you iron a crease into your trousers when no one else does? Why do you wash your (laughs) own car? Uh, This is the one I enjoyed the most. Why do you have a different hairstyle uh, when Pat Farrell went mad with a gun at North Norfolk Digital in 2013? Which I feel is essentially questions that they were probably bombarded with from either, like, you know, people on Twitter, social media, or just in the press in general. So it's a nice opportunity to kind of surface that one
1: it's it's absolutely the writers using the character as the mouthpiece again isn't it and because they also reference that specifically in nomad um yeah when alan alan writes in nomad um quoting people i don't understand why your hair is like that people would say like it even frigging mattered you don't even look like alan anymore why is it like that that's not alan alan's is shorter why have you made it long at the back it shouldn't be long alan has short hair so yeah they're just doubling down on that
0: yeah um Another question from High Noon is, uh, do you still park in disabled parking spaces at the supermarket? Now, over the years, we know Alan's had a lot of issues with disabled parking spaces and, uh, and the, the amount of them and the rights of who gets to use them. Uh, he claims that on this occasion, uh, he was in and out, although it does transpire he was shopping for 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> and his further justification is that it was on a Sunday and disabled people don't shop on Sundays. Uh, yeah, that's, not sure that's, where his
4: logic comes from. Yeah, that's low even for isn't it? I mean, that's just indefensible.
1: And there's a bit of an indication that High Noon is potentially a bit of a stalker, I would think, from these questions as well. You've got the thing about uh, why do you smell of e forty five cream to the people that sit beside you on the train, as well as the um, do you still park in disabled parking spaces?
0: Yeah, slightly slightly, slightly worrying. Sort of I mean, perhaps perhaps a sort of uh, a Jed Maxwell two point uh, in the making. Yeah, here. yeah. Mm. Um, um, should we get into the
4: uh, overly detailed nuance of the Norfolk accent? Uh, Um,
0: yes i mean don't you feel like this is a little bit like um like the the justification for him having a different haircut in alpha papa and like the section in eye partridge about how he lost his nasality it's it's one of those it's it's another one of those questions where where fans are like well if he's supposed to be from norfolk why does he sound like he's not and this is them addressing that
1: but the weird thing about that he's never sounded like he's come from norfolk has he but it's a thing that as we've talked about before that you know he he started out and it was very much to kind of john motson-esque accent and that has gradually kind of reduced and yeah like you know that th- those kind of sports reader tones of the early 90s are long gone but arguably alongside that the voice of coogan and partridge they're virtually indistinguishable now i think when i when i've been listening to a few of these episodes like it, other other people that might have heard some have said well it's it's basically like you he just sounds like coogan now
4: Mm. Yeah they are kind of like yeah, suddenly merged say, into one super being
1: <laughs> super <laughs> I, I,
5: I would say that this is a really really strong episode I really like. it There's a lot of good stuff here as we've gone through But this is a bit of a weak ending Because I think I like the gag But I think it just goes on a little bit too long
4: I actually could not disagree with you more because I think that they've they've had form in this area of getting overly detailed on things that sometimes can't be that funny. And I thought, uh, you know, something like iPartridge where they talked about DAB and the details of DAB radio. And I thought, oh, that just went on for too long. I think that this is detailed enough, but also not, so long that it became boring and I thought that the Bernard Matthews payoff at the end was really strong so I thought that, that it was, was good well observed well, the angel are... of
1: death for turkeys <laughs> yeah
4: yeah exactly <laughs> Um so yeah d- detailed enough but not too long and with a strong payoff um, so yeah I, I thought it worked I personally thought it worked well and was very funny
5: I thought the payoff was good I did I did enjoy it and I also mm. did enjoy the bit where Alan does an impersonation of a Norfolk, yeah. Norfolk accent as well mm. that is funny but I just <laughs> think it just went on a little bit too long for me but yeah in in, in general a very strong episode I I still
0: think. I think they're very good at conjuring up images of uh, celebrities uh, that have got a very well-defined public persona and then messing around with that. So... Even in a previous episode where he's sort of making childish—he he makes childish accusations about celebrities—and then here, the—I mean, if you've ever seen a Bernard Matthews advert, you imagine him as a much a, a very larger-than-life character, sort of very brash, very full of confidence. So the idea that he's actually very self-conscious and, and says "bootiful" in in the turkey ads just because he can't get rid of his accent and it's it's like a real bugbear for him, rather than the reality, which is that you know he's obviously Yorkshire and proud and making it, a, you know, and a sort of or Norfolk and proud, sorry, and making it a, a real. Feature of the adverts. That's
1: Adam Brooks uh, conflating <laughs> Yorkshire with Norfolk. Uh, Adam
0: Brooks. Yeah.
4: What, what I also enjoy is that. Um, Bernard Matthews was obviously one a business owner, but you know, there are those kind of instances where the owner of the company is put at the forefront in the advertising. And we spoke earlier in this episode about how um, Lynn has had her kind of you know illusion shattered about how Mr. Kipling isn't a real person. She probably thinks the man from Don Monte you know actually existed and that Aunt Bessie <laughs> slaves over a hot stove to get the <laughs> Yorkshire puddings and roast potatoes out. But this is a nice example of you know, Bernard Matthews is actually a real person, but <laughs> I wonder if Alan at any point tried to suggest otherwise or um do you know i just yeah lynn, lynn probably had uh, her kind of conjuring of these characters off the back of bird and matthews who was one of the first of these kind of you know real people um leading being the face of a business
0: um there's a lovely bit as well where alan implies that some of bernard's meat rather than containing chicken or turkey just contained generic food fowl <laughs> <laughs>
4: I did also enjoy, um, I, I, I did take to YouTube um, to, to watch a couple of the classic Bernard Matthews uh, adverts, and they do often talk about how it's kind of turkey meat with a kind of like pork fat outside, so <laughs> it is the kind of like melding of, the melding of two meats oh. that didn't sound great, to be
1: honest. Just mashed into a generic shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Into a puck.
0: Yeah, back in the 80s when that was a delicious novelty, An rather, than, <laughs> rather than a horrendous nightmare. <laughs> Um, so, I think that that turkey bombshell brings us more or less to the end of the Ask Me Anything episode, where I feel like Alan's been asked a very small amount of questions and most of them seem to be from one person or from junk mail <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i, th- I think if you, if you break it down he's he's answered successfully six questions in the whole ama there which is how would you deal with terrorists so whom would you like to apologize alan where get shoes who do you think should be the next james bond would you make it a woman where are you going on holiday and why do you drop your norwich accent if you're so proud of being from norfolk
0: uh, so yeah, I guess it's not a bad hit rate i i would I would personally have liked a follow up episode where he answers more questions um hmm.
1: well, I guess to be fair, it's a twenty two minute episode the fact he's actually even answered six. I was quite surprised he got through that many. I thought the joke would be he would might answer one or none,
0: especially at the halfway mark he had only answered one yeah um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah fair play to him um, yeah i think these these are a couple of really uh, good fun episodes well well yep. pretty well structured very funny um what i always love is is a good bit of insight into the, the the background life and the character i think i've mentioned it on the pod before but there was a series of peep show that was recorded um so that the six episodes could be broadcast in any order and as soon as i found that out i was really disappointed because what i like is the the narrative building so there's plenty of that here and i really really enjoy mm-hmm. that especially the visit to lynn's house
1: yeah i, I guess because as we've said without giving too much away about what transpires across the series the one kind of core narrative element is about this high noon character so in episode one when he's talking about high noon and his online trolls you don't really get any detail or insight into what kind of trolling is actually happening so this is the first instance like where you get those list of questions where you start to get a bit more detail about like how alan feels he's being attacked online
0: uh, yeah, and, and hopefully there will be more of that to come. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week tackling more of uh, the Partridge universe, more Tales from the Oast House. And if you'd like to get in touch with us about uh, your thoughts, uh, theories, or uh, questions about this series, on Instagram we're at Monkey Tennis Pod, on Twitter we're at The Partridge Pod. Uh, we're on Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, The at gmail.com, and you can leave us a voice note uh, through WhatsApp uh, on the Monkey Tennis Hotline 07923 And as
5: we mentioned at the top of the episode, this is episode 100, a big milestone. So if you have been enjoying our content and our output over the last four years, I think it is, and you haven't dropped us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please feel free to do so. Five stars. I think. I think like the way that it works is you have to put in five stars. I think. Like yeah, I think the one that's right. To, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So leave us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it if you've been enjoying our output over the last 100 episodes.
0: If you're having partridge problems, I feel bad for you, son. We've done 99 episodes and also this one uh, from all of us at Monkey <laughs> Dennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. See I'm off for a bath.
2: And this is the beauty of podcasting: the freedom of the medium. <laughs> Cucumpa. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring! Fireworks. Don't muck up out. Trees are my form. Monkey tennis? Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me! Are you being served? Monkey tennis? Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis? Why not consider chips? You must go and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey tennis? From the host house. Keep it down, love. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.